Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Again, Don is out, and I'm joined by our guest hosts, Dr. Nate Francis, Corey Jackson, and Jackie Rao. Um, today, in today's episode, we are talking about providing feedback to teachers. And I'll open this up. Um, I think that in I think there are a few things that we do well in education, and there are a few things that we don't do so well in education. And I think one of the things that we that we don't do well is developing uh, the capacity of our teachers. I know that especially in, in this market right now, and maybe some of you can attest to this as well, there, we're in a teacher shortage, um, which also means that there, there are gonna be a lot of new teachers um, filling those vacancies that we have on our campuses across the nation. Um, and I think one of the things that we do in education is, is, is a sink or swim kind of operation. Either you got it or you don't have it. And in today's episode, I really want to talk about providing feedback to teachers in, in a way that really helps them grow because <clears throat> our reality moving forward um, in America, especially, is we're going to have to develop some new teachers. So just just going around, what are some things that you do? Like, how do you provide feedback to teachers to help them grow? All right, I'll go first, I guess. Um, well, usually my feedback usually follows some sort of, whether it's an informal or formal observation. And so um, teachers are provided that transcript of things that I saw, um, but I also um, request that the teachers, whenever I come in and do, let's say it's a formal observation, and I, I always request that they provide their own you know, self-evaluation. And so then it becomes a conversation. So feedback between me and the teacher is always a conversation. And, it, and then, but, before any of that happens, I think we all need to make sure that as, as administrators, we really understand the purpose for feedback. And um, is it to help teachers grow? And is it to help teachers build capacity? And, and so if those are the two goals, which are pretty much the same, um, help, help them grow and build help them grow and build capacity in their own practice, then I think that the feedback, in my opinion, should be a conversation. It should be, this is, this is what I saw. Tell me what you think. And we have that dialogue back and forth. And then we, um, and then I also try to add some actionable feedback in, the, actionable feedback in there, because those are some of the things that I want to see the next time I, I enter the classroom or, the, or when we're talking via PLC. But, it's, uh, but it has to be things that are actionable um, and, and a conversation piece, if that makes sense. So <clears throat> Jamal, I'm gonna go back as far as feedback goes, just getting teachers comfortable with having me in the classroom. Mm -hmm. right. um, so I always like to start the year off being making sure that I'm visible in classrooms so mm -hmm. teachers get used to seeing me um, and then I actually start off with just positives so when I'm 
you know, I have my little walkthrough forms and um, I do some walkthroughs on the computer, but for my positives, I like to leave notes that you can leave on the student, on the teacher's desk or in their mailbox. And I'll walk through all of my teacher's uh, classrooms and no matter if they're new, uh, great or not so great, I will find something in that classroom that I can just give them some kudos on and make them feel better about me being in that classroom and about the, the work that they're doing and make them feel appreciated. I do that to set the groundwork for feedback just for the fact that you have to have people have to be receptive mm. to the feedback that you're providing. So if you go in and start providing feedback without building the relationship with that teacher and really having that teacher understand that you're there for support and you're not there as a, I gotcha. Mm. Um, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna really project, set the trajectory of what your feedback is going to look like moving forward and how that feedback is going to be received. So me personally doing something, a positive note, taking that time, that first time to just write those positive things to our teachers. The next time they see me, you know, I can, I can, start implementing some some recommendations some suggestions some reflective questions because that's really one of the things that i i prefer and the angles that i like to take are having the the teachers reflect on their practice so mm -hmm. developing feedback in forms of reflective questioning that guiding questions to have the teachers reflect on uh, components or implements of a lesson that i may feel need needed some improvement or needed some enhancing is the method that I usually use in order to provide that feedback. And then along with that feedback also comes that follow-up, right? So you're, you're providing feedback, but then what are you doing with that? How are you following up mm -hmm. with those teachers to make sure that the feedback you're providing is something that they're actually able to use and is helping to push, uh, to build that capacity, like Corey said, right? So it's multifaceted with feedback. Um, also, there are yes. teachers, you got to you gotta know your teachers because teachers take feedback different ways, right? There's some teachers that are just going to tell you, no roses and rainbows, just give it to me, tell mm -hmm. me what, what it is I need to fix. And then there's other teachers that you're going to mm -hmm. have to realize you got to be a little more delicate in the way that you approach them with that feedback. So developing those relationships is key. And then coming up with systems to implement that feedback and then to follow up on that feedback are very important in making sure that you are building that capacity with your teachers. Now, Nate, before, before you go, Jackie, Nate, how long does it take for you to like actually get into those classrooms? Talk about like the, the, the time frame real quick. So for our listeners, I have about 60 teachers. Mm -hmm. um, so when I do the positives, I'm not in there very long. So the, the, when I, I start off the year with those positive um, notes and once in a while, I'll just do them, you know, randomly um, just, you know, say October, October's a grind. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll take a week and I'll pop into to teachers rooms during that month of October and just give them something positive to uplift their spirits. But um, so it depends on, on what kind of observation I'm doing. Sometimes I may be in a right. classroom for two to five minutes. Sometimes I might be in a classroom for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but generally I, I, to see my whole staff, um, it'll take me about a week to get that done. 
Right. And, and I felt that was important for our listeners because I know a lot of us um, have bigger schools, smaller schools. Some of us have schools with 2000 kids in it. Some of us have schools with about 200 kids in it. But no matter what it is, it, like it, it takes time. Jackie, you, you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, uh, everything Nate just said, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you know, the positives, that's how I start with my teachers too. Um, you know, as I was, as I was listening to Nate, um, a lot of what he said, um, is, is what I do as well. Um, starting off, you know, just building those relationships. Um, I think there's also something to be said for, um, you know, we all come from, uh, well, Jamal and Nate and I were all in the same school district um, for a long time. And the system of providing feedback to teachers in that particular school district um, is, is way different. You know, I walked into, I walked into a school where um, now I'm in, in, you know, in a different school district and they're not used to getting feedback, right? Like no one was walking into their room. So for me, um, I spent a lot more time with positives. Like I spent the whole first semester just looking at positives because my teachers weren't used to anyone coming into their classroom. Um, except for every five years when they have their five-year evaluation to be recertified for the state. Um, yeah, so it's like a really different, um, you know, I think that there's lots of different lenses that we can look at feedback through, um, based on where we're based on where we're at. And had I, you know, had I not come to, to Charleston and experienced, uh, this system, I would probably have a very different view on, on how to provide feedback to teachers. Um, but I think that, depending on where you are, it has, you have to move at the pace that your teachers are ready to move Mm -hmm. when it comes to feedback. Um, and, um, my, that's a, it's a slow process for, Mm -hmm. for me, um, at my, at my current school, um, because I don't want to, I don't want to push people too hard, um, Mm -hmm. with something that they're not used to. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, also like feedback tools, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have to talk about like, what is that feedback tool that, you yeah. know, that, that we're using, you mm-hmm. know, um, in, in a place where there isn't really a system already, um, mm-hmm. for that, um, what does that look like? You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and that's something that I'm playing with right now. What is the best way to provide my teachers that feedback? Like, I don't feel like I have like a great answer to like how to do it because I'm playing, I'm playing around with it right now. What does that look like? What's the best way to do it? Um, and when you have so many teachers that, um, that could really use some coaching cycles, how do you find the time to do it? You know, these are all things that I'm, that I'm playing with right now, um, in my current position. So so just, just, I want to, I want to kind of summarize this point and then I want to ask, ask a question. So really, I think in, in education, we have like this model in which we go, we, we look at feedback as, as we don't, 
necessarily look at as feedback as much as we do constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. So we always, so it's almost like we were trained to look at everything from a deficit or what's the one thing that this teacher can do better. Sometimes teachers are crushing it on every level and there ain't really much that we can say um, to have them be better than what they are because they were just having a fantastic day that day. Um, I think for, for me, some of the some of the big picture things that I like to do is I like to be curious and ask questions based on what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I like to um, be current on best practices. 20 years ago, copy and definitions was the cat's meow. Having mm-hmm. those kids do that and hooking up those PowerPoints and directing that 20 years ago was was everything. Mm-hmm. But now it's a, we, we need to be learning in, in context and doing a lot of different things. So knowing what best practices are right now based on who our kids are and what they need and then also for me is knowing when to be direct and when not to um not every teacher fully understands their um fully understands how to be a highly effective teacher Mm -hmm. um i'm still learning how to be a highly effective administrator so there you don't know don't you don't know what you don't know right um and i think sometimes we assume that people know exactly what it is that we want them to do. We assume that teachers know how to assess students. We assume that teachers know how to um, look at data and make a plan. We assume that teachers know how to be extremely engaging in class, but then we'll go in and we won't see something, but that's really the best that teacher can do or a teacher will be blowing it up. So my question to you all is, how do you provide feedback to the two different types of teachers, the teacher that <clears throat> that is your highly effective, just butterfly of a teacher, and the teacher that you know is is on the opposite end of the spectrum and just needs a lot of support and a lot of development. How do you provide feedback to those two types of teachers? Well, Jamal, I have extensive experience uh, this year, my first year as a principal. Uh, you know, my staff, of my staff, just under 60, uh, 28 of them are new to my school. Wow. And, eight, and 18 of those don't even have an education, a degree in education, came off the street in another profession. Um, so I have 18 teachers that are, are new to education. And like you said, a lot of those things that you assume people just would know, um, they don't. And then the other half of my staff uh, also have have very good experienced teachers. So I have a very wide spectrum of of ability and of experience on my staff. And the way that I have to address those those teachers and provide that feedback is vastly different. Um, You know, for instance, an experienced teacher, I'm really pushing and talking about um, their, their learning targets and how they're assessing throughout a lesson, mm. um, the strategies that they're using in small groups. Um, and my younger, my newer teachers, I'm talking to them about, have you thought about developing a seating chart? Um, <laughs> are, are your lessons, uh, do your lessons align with an objective, with a standard? Right. And so there's right. very different questions that I'm having and different expectations uh, I just had some mid-year evaluations on uh, before we left for break, and um, with some of my newer teachers, um, you know, I had to I had to really be positive with them and say, you know what? When I first got in your classroom, 
it looked like a zoo and and teacher and kids were running around and i walk in now in december and you have kids in in you know in quads you know and and they're sitting down where they're supposed to mm -hmm. so you know having to even praise on just classroom management but for them that's huge right because that's where they are <clears throat> now the second semester we can really look forward to moving um in more of those instructional domains and components and pushing with that with my other with my high flyers um what i really try to do with them is again to push their practice even more so but then provide opportunities for them empower them to really help our other teachers you know talk about opportunities for demonstration classroom and, and instructional learning walks and, and those types of activities to get them um, empower them and, and highlight them and showcase them in ways that they can help impact our other teachers in, in positive ways. I would say I agree with you that that novice teacher, I'm talking to that teacher about the frameworks of a lesson, mm. objective, initiation, um, student demonstration. Those are, those are the components that I am working with that new novice teacher that mm. uh, veteran slash expert teacher I'm, I'm talking to that teacher about how are you reaching that advanced and rich student because i think for, for the most part from what i've seen in my career my expert teachers are very good at that that middle that middle level students they're they're really good at reaching those students who need extra support who are on the cusp they really do a great job of itemizing their instruction for that core, but then they, um, but they fall a little bit short on those students who are at the advanced level. Um, and so I'm, I'm talking to that teacher about how you reach that advanced student, how you are relinquishing some of that control and, 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 keep, you know, and, and giving it to that independent student who is at that advanced level, because a lot of times those kids are neglected. And, and so I'm really talking to that expert teacher about how you are reaching that, that core group. It may be small, but how are you reaching that core group? Um, and I think that's important. And so it's very, it's two very, as Nate said, it's two very different conversations. On the one hand, I'm talking about the components of a lesson, you know, like, like you said, the structure of um, what your objective is going to be and how the students are going to meet it. And then that expert, you know, uh, I'm talking to that expert about um, what are their professional learning goals that they want to create for, for themselves. And then how are they reaching that student that is often forgotten, that advanced student. All right. Jack, you got anything to add to that? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, a lot of what what Corey and Nate already said, you know, you have to approach those conversations really differently. Um, but I, I also want to touch on the fact that, like, we don't have to be the only ones providing our teachers feedback. Right. Like I rely I rely heavily on my instructional coach. Um, like if awesome. I'm seeing something in a in a classroom. Um, I'll have that conversation with that teacher, but I'm, I'll say to that teacher, I'm going to part, I'm going to pair you up with, you know, our instructional coach, um, to help you with that. Right. Like I don't have to be the one that's, um, that's guiding that teacher all the time. Um, 
do I need to know what's going on in their room? Absolutely. Um, do I need, do I need to be able to provide them feedback? Yeah. But I also need to, you know, use my resources, um, as a leader, um, instructional coaches, district level coaches that are, that are able to come in. You know, I'm thinking about, I have, uh, one brand new teacher this year, um, much like Nate, you know, coming from, from a, a non-education background. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've partnered him with three different people, the instructional coach, um, and two, two people, um, within the department that he works in, he's a CTE teacher. So from that area in the district to, to provide him the support that he needs and for them to give, him more expert feedback on, you know, on his, um, content area, right. I'm not a, I'm not a expert in the content, um, in his, in his business content. Um, but, but yeah, I think using, using our resources to, to provide that feedback and support our teachers where they're, where they need it is also really important. I think, um, I think just just listening to everyone, I, I, I know that um, I use this very similar language. And I love the fact that you allow your coaches to be a support. That's something that I do as well. And I know some people listening don't have instructional coaches um, to do coaching cycles, but you can still leverage some of the people that are that are in your building. And, you know, in a, in a couple of episodes, we'll be talking about an instructional leadership team, but really identifying people on your campus that um, your your newer teachers or teachers that just need support can go see how it's done um, in the classroom. But the way that I look at the the two different types of teachers, um, the the teachers that really need support, I think it always comes down to, and just in my experiences, um, relationships within that classroom. Um, or, you know, we talk about classroom management and those are the things that we all touched on. But I think with the with your more experienced teachers or teachers who are just crushing it on every level, I try to engage them in more reflective practice because a lot of what they need to do or their next steps rely or is already in them and just really trying to pull that out and ensure that they they stay motivated and then also like Nate said um having those teachers go into those classrooms or or having them be a demonstration classroom is always helpful and I think with anything that we do as it relates to feedback we have to uh, realize that we cannot do it alone and that we also need other people um closing thoughts everyone I just want to echo what you and Jackie said too about it's it's a daunting task to try to do that yourself coming yeah. up with a system and you know where you can delegate some of that to to um, you know some other administrative staff or district staff is very helpful because as it's almost near to impossible to really with fidelity give the feedback that you want to give to your staff uh, by yourself so coming up with those systems and that support in place I, is huge. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, um, agree with Nate there that sis, the system around providing feedback is super important, 
right? Um, and making sure that there are there are other people involved um, because it is. Nate and I have. Um, it sounds like we have very similar sized schools. I have about sixty six teachers. Um, if I were the only one providing feedback to those teachers, it I wouldn't be effective. Mm, right. Right. Um, yep. Because there's no way I can sit down and have an effective um, coaching cycle with 66 people. Like I'd, I'd get through one coaching cycle with each of them, maybe in the year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's, that's not changing instruction. Right. right. Um, so that's that system around how do we do this? Um, I think that's that's huge. And figuring out what that system looks like for your school um, and who the people are that you can rely on to to be part of that feedback system. Um, that's that's important. Corey, any final thoughts? Um, no, I. Uh... I think everyone. I, I at this point, I'll just be regurgitating what what Jacqueline and Nate said. Got you. Well, you all heard it here first. Uh, we definitely need systems, and we also need to uh, spread that work out. And the most important thing is um, that we'll ever do in a school is improving teaching and learning in our building. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Jamal Crook for Jacqueline Rao, Dr. Francis. And Corey Jackson reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. Peace.